0: You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcast series are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Now thanks be unto God, who always causes us to triumph. In Christ. Hey, said this, I win. Come on, let's say it again. I win. Come on, say it one more time. I win. We always win in Christ. So we've been talking about uh, from the subject best days ahead, best days. Ahead, this is our fifth episode, and we're going to conclude this uh, series today. But now, listen. The theme of this series is hope. In other words, we want you, no matter what you're dealing with, to have an expectation of good and a happy life ahead. Now, I want I want to suggest that you do something. I want you to put this series. In your back pocket. Put this series, Best Days Ahead, in your back pocket. Now I have a bill folder that I put in my back pocket Uh, and I don't always use my bill folder but there are occasions where I need the resources that I put in my bill folder. So I keep my bill folder when I have it on me, in my back pocket. So when I have a need, then I have the resources to be able to meet that need. Now, you may not need this series all the time. You may not be in situations that are hopeless all the time or challenging all the time, but you need to keep this series in your back pocket because the day will come where you're going to need the information that I'm sharing with you today. In episode one, let's review for a minute. In episode one, we talked about the bright future that God has planned for us from Job chapter 8, verse 7. In episode two, we talked about time that time is a terrible thing to waste. In episode three, I went back and changed the title because I looked at what we really talked about, and so I revamped the title. And so episode three, we talked about homelessness and suicide, and that's going to be the title of that episode, Homelessness and Suicide. And then episode four, Hope, the Anchor of the Soul. Now, in this fifth And final episode today, we're going to talk about God's unchanging plan for your life. God has an unchanging plan for your life. Now, listen at that. God has an unchanging plan for your life. Now, our background text is Jeremiah Chapter twenty nine, and I know this is probably some of you your bet your greatest your outstanding your, your most important text is Jeremiah twenty nine verse eleven. I like to read it or quote it in the King James version, the Authorized King James, and then in the New International Version. In the Authorized King James, it says, "For I know the thoughts." that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Now, Jeremiah 29, verse 11 in the NIV translation says it a little bit differently. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, I want to quote the the both of those translations again. It's just one verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, and then we're going to dissect it, and I believe that it's going to bring great encouragement to you. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 in the authorized King James Version says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Now Jeremiah 29 verse 11 in the NIV again says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, I want to do two things today. The rest of the way, I want to talk about the three promises that God made to you and me, to us Three promises he made to Israel, and then I want to talk about the basis or the foundation of the promises that he made. Now let's look at the let's look at the, the, the text. He says, "For I know the thoughts that I think toward you." Now he makes three promises. He says, "Thoughts of peace." That's the first promise. Not of evil. That's the second promise and an expected end, that's the third promise. Now, when he talks about the thoughts that i think toward you he's talking about his purpose he's talking about his plan god is talking about his good will for your life he said i know the thoughts that i think toward you i know the thoughts in other words i know what my purpose for you is i know what my plans for you i know what my good will for you Is now first promise. He says, My thoughts toward you are my purpose and my plan for your life is peace. Come on, say peace. God, see, God's purpose and his plan is peace. Now, this word peace is a rich word, and you know I love words. It's a rich word in the Hebrew language. It means rich, the word peace there means a state of well-being, a state of well-being. In other words, well-being would include health, happiness, rest, prosperity, and completeness. He says, my thoughts or my purpose, my plan for you is peace, a state of well-being, a state of health, a state of happiness, a state of rest in your mind, a state of prosperity. That simply means to do well in life. And then a state of completeness. He says, my plan, my purpose is that I bring you to a place of completeness or bring to conclusion the purpose and the plan I have for you. Philippians 1.6 says, He which began a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes when we're in challenging times or moments or situations, when we're involved in, troubling times, it's easy for us to believe or start believing that the plan that God had for us will not come to pass. But I want you to go back to your journal, and I hope you're keeping a journal. I keep a journal of everything that God says to me that goes all the way back to the 80s. You should record what God says to you. And I'm saying to you that whatever God has promised you, he is going to bring that promise to completion. He is going to bring it to pass. He which began a good work in you will perform it. So don't don't get caught up now in what's going on right now. Don't get caught up in what's going on right now. His promise for your life, is peace. That's a state of well-being, a state of health, a state of happiness, a state of rest, a state of prosperity, and a state of completeness. The second promise that he makes to you and I is my purpose, my plan, my goodwill for your life is not evil, not of evil, he says, not of evil. In other words, God is saying to you that his good plan for your life does not include evil. It does not include evil. Now, though the word evil there in just a general sense, it means that which causes pain, harm, hardship, or suffering, that which causes pain, that which is, causes harm, hardship, or suffering. Now, notice here, he promised them peace, and he promised them not evil, that his plan does not include evil. Now, I want to dig into the, into the historical context And then I want to ask and answer this question. So why did God make this promise to Israel? Why did God make this promise to Israel? He made this promise not of evil. No evil is in the plan. He made this promise to them, number one, because of what they were feeling the nation of Israel at this time was feeling that God didn't care. Let me ask you a question. Have you had times or have you experiencing now any emotions that God doesn't care? And usually we feel those emotions when we're in troubling situations, challenging situations, when it seems like the answer to our prayer is delayed or prolonged. Now notice they were feeling that God did not care. The second reason why he made this promise, no evil in my plan, is because of their circumstances, what they were experiencing. They were experiencing loss. They was experiencing loss. From a historical context, this promise that he's making to them seems nonsensical. It seems unrealistic because this, at this particular moment, was the worst time in Israel's history. It was the worst time for them they were living in Babylon as captives. They were separated from their homes. They were separated from their families. They were unable to worship freely. They were cut off from, uh, they were cut off from their entire way of life. They were toiling in a foreign land as slaves. They were longing for the past, the way things were, and here God, in the worst time in their life, in the worst time in their life, God says to them that his plan and his purpose includes, involves no evil. Come on, say no evil. Now, in saying this, and I want you to listen from a personal standpoint, in saying this, And making this promise to them at this particular time, God is communicating that their present feelings and their present experiences are temporary. Now, I want you to get that. God is speaking to them in a dire situation. He's speaking to them when it's very dark. And he says, my plan for you is not or no evil. They are experiencing the worst time in their history. So it tells me that God is saying that even though you're in this situation and you're feeling that I don't care, and you are experiencing loss, your feelings and your experience are temporary. And he's saying that if they will hold on, not cast away their confidence, believe in his good nature, and believe in his unchanging promises, then he's making a third promise to them that he will give them an expected end. And the NIV says, the expected end is a hope and a future. A hope and a future. In other words, he's saying that if you hold on, don't cast away your confidence. If you trust my good nature, you trust my unchanging promises, in spite of what you're experiencing right now, he says that I'm going to give you an expectation of a good and full and happy life. And then he says, I'm going to give you a future. In other words, the thing you long for. He says that I'm going to give you a good, happy life. I'm going to give you the thing that you long for. Now, this is an amazing revelation from the Holy Spirit. It is an amazing revelation to not only Israel, but it is an amazing revelation to you and I. We quote this text, and I would say some of you probably said, that's my favorite scripture there. That's my favorite scripture there. I know the thoughts. You can quote it. I know the thoughts. I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Well, what I've done is I've just given you the insight to what you've been quoting. God is saying to you, that his plan and his purpose for your life is peace, no evil, and expected end, the thing you've been longing for. In other words, he's saying that there are better days ahead. In other words, he's still saying to you that your best days are ahead of you. Now, I want to, the rest of the way, I want to talk about the basis or the base or the foundation of God's promises. How could God make these kind of promises to a people that are in slavery? They're enslaved by foreign power and their situations is dire. What is the base of these promises, how could God make these promises to them? He could make these promises based off two very important things. He could make these promises based off first, his eternal purpose, God's eternal purpose. Secondly, he could base these promises off God's consistent nature, God's eternal purpose, God's consistent nature, God's eternal purpose, God's consistent nature. Now, listen to this. Let's talk about God's eternal purpose. And I want, to, I want to read something that I wrote down, and I want you to listen carefully to it. I want you to think about the historical context of Jeremiah 29, 11, but I also want you to think about your own personal context. Listen at this foundation stone on which God makes these and his other promises his eternal purpose. Now, listen at this. God's purpose, plan, and goodwill for your life predated creation, your birth, the formation of any human relationship and any setback, any disappointment, and any failure in your life, now I want—I want to say that again because that is—that 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 is something that that you gotta get. God's purpose and plan and good will for your life predated creation, your birth, the formation of any human relationship any setback, any disappointment, and any failure you have or will experience in your life. Now, I'm going to go back now, and let's slow down on this. I am saying that God makes these promises to you, peace, no evil, and expect the end based off his eternal purpose. And God's eternal purpose is this: God's purpose and plan and good will for your life predated creation. In other words, when God planned out your future, and when He planned out His good will and His purpose and plan for your life, it was before He created the earth. God, in eternity to pass, planned a purpose for your life. And he planned a good will for your life. And he did it before creation. He also planned your purpose and the good will for your life before you were born it predated your birth. Now, listen at this. This plan also was created before you formed any human relationships, before you knew your mother, before you knew your dad, before you had a f- upbringing, before you got married, before you, uh, whatever relationship that's dire to you, dear to you, maybe present or maybe in the past, maybe the death of a loved one, God's purpose and plan for you predated. He planned it out before any human relationship was formed. Before any setback, any disappointment, any failure caused by the faults of others or caused by your own faults, God predate, planned a purpose for your life before all this took place. Now, listen at this. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed thee, In the belly I knew thee, and before thou cameth forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So God said to Jeremiah, before you were even born, I purposed that you will be a prophet. I purposed this for your life. I purposed that you would uh, minister to the nations. It was my purpose before you were born. That's God's eternal purpose. Now, why is that so important? Why is it so important that we understand that God has an eternal purpose Why is that so important? Why was it so important for Israel? It was so important because they were in trouble now. They were in Babylonian uh, slavery. They were captives. They, They were in the worst time in their lives. What God wanted them to know, that in spite of what they were going through, these things had to be temporary. If they didn't quit, they didn't give up. They had to be temporary because God created and established their purpose before the nation was even formed. So what is that saying to you? That's saying to you that regardless to where you are right now, regardless to your experiences, maybe you're, you've lost something, Maybe it was a home you lost. Maybe it was a job you lost. Maybe it was a loved one you lost. Whatever the situation is, whatever situation you're in right now, it has nothing to do with God's purpose and plan. Okay, listen. Maybe you've made mistakes. Maybe you have missed it. Maybe you've just messed up. God planned predated you messing up. In other words, in eternity past, before you messed up, God planned your life. He, he knew you were going to mess up. He knew you were going to get the divorce. He knew your loved one was going to die. He knew all that was going to take place. God knew it. And in eternity past, he made a purpose and establish a purpose and a plan and a goodwill for your life, which means now that there's nothing you can do in time that will alter God's plan. Only you can abort it by quitting. But there's no failure, there's no disappointment, there's no situation, there's no deprivation, there's nothing that can happen in this life to. Alter God's plan and God's goodwill for your life because it was established before you were born. Now you can abort it by quitting, but no experience in this life and no challenge, no uh, tragedy, no mishap, no mistake, no offense no people, no adversary, no enemy can stop God's purpose. The only way God's purpose will end in this life is that you quit. You have to quit. And that's what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to quit. He wants you to see the present as permanent. He wants you to, to think that the way you're feeling now, you're going to feel this way forever. You're just going to be unhappy the rest of your life. He wants you to think that your circumstances are final. That's what he wants you to think. But God says, my plan for you is peace, no evil, and an expected end, and he bases it on his eternal purpose. The second thing that God based these promises on to you is God's consistent nature, his consistent nature. Malachi three six says, I am the Lord, and I change not. I don't change. I'm not going to change. In other words, God is not going to sit up there and say, well, you know, I just changed my mind. I know I told you that I was going to do this, and I know I told you I was going to do that, but listen, we're in, a, we're in a pandemic now. I can't, listen, things have changed. Listen, I think I've changed my mind about what I said to you. No, 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 no. God has a consistent nature. The Bible says in Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord and I change not. Now, that's why I keep a journal. See, I keep a journal because I'll be honest with you, there are times when it looks like the promise is not going to come to pass. I mean, it looks like there are some things that God promised me 20 years ago That hasn't come to pass yet, 20 years, but they haven't come to pass yet. But the Bible says, so I go back to my journal and I look at my journal. So much God has done and been so faithful, but there are some things still hanging out there that has not come to pass. So that's why I go back to my journal and I keep it in front of me because God's consistent nature tells me, tells you that God is not changing his mind. Now I want you to say that. I want you to just pause for a minute. I want you to pause for a minute. And I want you to close your eyes if you can. Now if you're driving and listen to this, don't don't close your eyes. You know what I mean? (laughs) But if you can, close your eyes. And I want you to say to yourself, God has not changed his mind. I want you to say it one more time. God has not changed his mind. Now, I, I want to I stay here for just a second because I believe that I'm ministering to somebody. I believe that there's someone listening to me now. God has told you it's too late. God changed his mind. God has another plan. God has another... No, 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 no. Close your eyes. If you're not driving now, close your eyes. You're flying a plane, don't close your eyes. Whatever you're doing, you know, don't close your eyes. But if you, you're in a place, a quiet place, and you can, close your eyes. And I want you to say, God has not changed his mind. Come on, say it again. God has not changed his mind. And that's what I'm saying to you. Everything God has said to you, he has not changed his mind. Now, the, the second foundational base for God's promises is his consistent nature. You know, I talk about God's nature is the God of abundance in John chapter 10. In fact, I have a book, a mini book that's going to be coming out real soon on this revelation that God gave me about the fact that he is the God of abundance. But I don't want to talk about abundance today. I want to talk about another side to God's consistent nature. God is Jehovah-Jireh. God is Jehovah-Jireh. He's the Lord, our provider, who sees ahead and provides. That's a part of his consistent nature. He's Jehovah-Jireh. Come on, say that. He's Jehovah-Jireh. Let's make it personal. He's my Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord who sees ahead and provides. Well, where did you get that in, the, in from the Bible? In Genesis chapter 22, verses 13 through 14, 14 is the operative verse, God spoke to Abraham in Genesis 22 to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, the son that he had waited for for 25 years. God said, I want you to sacrifice him. The Bible says that Abraham got up early, took his servants and took Isaac with him and took the wood and the fire and went to the place that God had instructed him to go to. When he got to the mountain, the Mount of Sacrifice, we call it, He told his servants, You wait here. I and the lad will go and worship, and we're going to come back. He went to the mountain where God had instructed him to go, and on that mountain, he built an altar. He tied his son Isaac down, and Isaac is lying on the altar. He raises a knife. To kill his son, believing according to Hebrews eleven nineteen, he saw in his he saw supernaturally by faith that God had to raise him from the dead, because this was the promised seed. So he raised his his fist to with the knife in his hand to to slay his son, and an angel shouted out, "Hold up, hold up, Isaac, hold up, Abraham." I know that you, 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 you're obedient. Now watch this. The Bible says that Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw a ram caught in the thicket. Now here's the beautiful revelation that at the same time Isaac was going up one side of the mountain, a ram was going up the other side of the mountain. And in fact, the ram beat Abraham going up the mountain. The ram got caught in the thicket, in the bushes, before Abraham reached the top of the mountain. So when the sacrifice was offered, or Abraham intended to offer the sacrifice, the provision was already there. God, before he even spoke to Abraham, had already provided a ram for the sacrifice. God never intended for Isaac to die. God never intended for Abraham to kill his son. God had already provided. So in verse 14, Abraham said, you're Jehovah-Jireh. That's where we get it from, Genesis chapter 22, verses 13 and 14. That's where we get it from, Jehovah-Jireh. It means the Lord sees ahead and provide. He's our provider. The Lord is your provider, and he sees ahead and provides. Are there any other instances of his consistent nature as a provider? Is there any other instances of Je- of him being Jehovah Jireh? Well, over in 1 Kings chapter 17, God instructed Elijah to confront Ahab and Jezebel and instructed and told Elijah to tell them that it would not rain until God spoke again. And then God instructed Elijah to turn eastward by the brook called Sherath. He said, there, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Now notice what God says, I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. He went to the brook and the he drank from the brook the bible says and the ravens fed him day and night every day the ravens brought him food every single day they brought him food but i want you to notice what the text says the text says that god said i have commanded the ravens to feed you that's past tense so god had already spoke to the to the ravens before Elijah had the need. And then when the brook dried up, God spoke to Elijah again. In the ninth verse, First Kings 17, 9, God says, I want you to arise and go to Zarephath. I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee there. Now notice, before Elijah went to Zarephath, before he met this widow woman, God had already talked to this widow woman about taking care of the servant he was going to send. So in both cases, in 1 Kings seventeen four, and 1 Kings seventeen nine, God said, I have commanded, past tense, the ravens. I have commanded uh, the widow woman to sustain thee, past tense. Because God sees ahead and provide. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, we looked at Genesis 22, we looked at First Kings chapter one verse 17. Now in John chapter six6, 6, John chapter six, verse one through 11, the scripture says that Jesus went up on a mountain and up on the mountain he saw the multitudes coming to them. and the Bible says, that he called one of the disciples and said, how many loaves do we have? And he says, five loaves and a few fish. The scripture says in verse 6, for he himself knew what he was going to do. He himself knew what he was going to do. So the scripture teaches us and tells us that before the multitude came, this is referring to the feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Before they showed up, the scripture says that Jesus knew what he was going to do because he's Jehovah-Jireh, our provider. He sees ahead and provide. Now listen at this. As I close this lesson today, listen at this. And I I, I, I want to read a statement to you, and I want you to go back and memorize it. I want you to go back and meditate on it. I want you to go back and put it somewhere in your phone or wherever you need to do put it, because this statement is something that I believe God wants to say to you. God doesn't find out about your need. He doesn't find out about our need when we do. Now, I want you to think. I'm not finished yet. God doesn't find out about our need before when we do. God doesn't find out about our need when we find out about it. God lives outside of time. He can see the past, the present, and the future at the same time. So he surveys our life. He sees our future, every need that we will have, and he makes provision even before we have the need And even before we become aware of the need, I'm going to say that again, God doesn't find out about our need when we do. God lives outside of time. He can see the past, present, and future at the same time. So he surveys our life sees our future needs and makes provision even before we enter the situation and even before we become aware of the need. Now listen at this. Your way of escape, victory, comeback, and restoration were prepared before you got in the situation. I'm going to say that again. Your way of escape, victory, comeback, and restitution, restoration, pardon me, Restorate. clue restitution, restoration, were prepared before you got in the situation. I'm going to say that again. Your way of escape, victory, comeback, and restoration was prepared before you got in the situation. I'm going to say that one more time. Your way of escape, victory, comeback, and restoration were prepared before you got in the situation. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 says, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation, make a way of escape. I want to review, and then I got a couple of questions. I was talking about the unchanging plan that God has for your life based off Jeremiah 29, verse 11. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, God made three promises. He promises peace, no evil, and an expected end. And he based these promises on two things, his eternal purpose and his consistent nature. I believe that you got blessed today. Uh, Go back, listen to the whole podcast series, the five episodes. Go back and listen to this one. Meditate on it. I believe put it in your back pocket because you're going to need it some at some point. Share it with somebody else. And I got a couple of questions. Can we in our free will mess up God's preordained plan for our life? Well, you know, I think I covered that, but I want to answer that question. Your free will is always in place. You can only hinder God's purpose by utilizing your free will to quit. I'm saying that there's no mistake, there's no mishap, there's no misfortune that can hinder God's preordained plan, but you can quit and abort it. But Other than that, there's nothing that will stop it. No mistake, no sin, no nothing, because God ordained it before you were born. What does it mean when it says he will turn you over to a reprobate mind? Uh, Over there in Romans chapter 1, it talks about a reprobate mind, but that that is a mind that is really resistant to the truth. That is a mind that says... I don't want God's will in my life. I want my way. And then it is a, it's a reprobate mind. It's a set mind. In other words, you're in changing. And God knows you're not changing because he can see the past, the present, and the future. God knows you. And it, when it says turn you over, it's not like God is cementing you. Into a situation? No, that doesn't what that mean. That may a reprobate mind simply mean God allow you to choose to resist Him eternally. In other words, some people says, "I don't want God, I don't want church, I don't want Jesus, I don't want none of it," and their mind is set. In other words. God can see all the way down through history that they are not going to change. Now, listen, and some people are not going to change. Okay, that's a reprobate mind. It is a mindset on resistance, a mindset on not changing. And so for that for that person, eternal damnation is the only thing left because that person don't want it and God can't will allow a person to set their will against him, and that's what that is. That is a, I use the word semen. it is a will that has inner, chosen to resist eternally God's plan for their life, and I believe that's a reprobate mind. I trust you got blessed. We'll talk about something else in our next episode, but I want you to go back. I believe that this series is a series you either need now or will need in the future.